Welcome to Bridge City Church. We are here to lead people in a deeper relationship with Jesus and to grow the church locally, nationally and internationally. We pray you are blessed by this message. For those of you that don't know me, my name's Carolyn and I'm part of the team here at Bridge City Church. And it's great to be here with you this morning. And I'm going to read from John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Let's pray. Father God, It is such a joy to be in your house this morning, worshipping you. Thank you that we can come together as family and encourage each other as we work together in your plans and purposes. I pray that as I bring the word you have placed on my heart this morning, you would speak powerfully through it to each one with the message you have for them, and that each one would be drawn closer to you through it. I ask this. In the most holy and precious name of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. We all long for God to move in our church and in our lives, don't we? We know he can heal all manner of diseases. We know he can move impossible mountains. We know that the Holy Spirit can move powerfully in our services. We all long for that personal touch from him, that touch that word, that encounter, that when we receive it, it just puts us on this cloud nine for the next at least week. We all long for our church to be overflowing and to see all the gifts of the Spirit in operation, to see lives being changed as God moves in our midst. There are two really important things we need to do to align ourselves with Jesus and to position ourselves to see and receive the signs and wonders that we long for. The first is to love Jesus and the second is to love each other. Loving Jesus sounds really simple. I mean, isn't that why we're all here? (laughs) Because we love Jesus. And most of us would think we do that. But there's a way to tell if we are really loving Jesus or not. And that's to measure ourselves against his word. This sermon comes from my own, examining my own heart and before God and just checking myself. I can only preach out of what God's showing me. So let's see what Jesus himself said about loving him in John chapter 14. Verse 15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Verses 23 and 24. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And verse 31, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. 
when Jesus lived his life on earth, he set the example of how we're to live our lives um, by the way he related to his father and the way he related to people. It's easy to feel the sentimental love for Jesus. You know, I think we all feel that. Sometimes we feel it more than others. But I've been challenging myself as I read his word, do I do what he's asking me to do in every area of my life? Because this is how he measures my love for him. It's challenging. Do I think thoughts that are pleasing to him? I mean, we can all have thoughts that come in uh, at times. It's what we do with them that matters. And so if we have a thought that comes in, that if we, if we are actually measuring our thoughts, we can go, oh, Lord, that would not have been a nice thought to have said out loud. Um, so forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. And it's gone instantly. It's that kind of thing that I've been working through with myself. It's easy for someone to tell you they love you, but if they never want to spend time with you, if they do things you don't like and don't care much if it bothers you, you'll be quick to realise they're not exhibiting real love. So my husband, Andrew, if he was to tell me he loves me ten times a day, but he didn't look at me when he spoke to me, he um, left his clothes laying all around the house and knowing that I didn't like that, if he um, just went out and did his own thing all day without any consideration of, of what I might want to do with him. Um, yeah, and then, you know, told me he loved me but, you know, turned his back and just did his own thing. I wouldn't feel loved. <laughs> with good reason, I wouldn't feel loved. By the way, he doesn't do that. <laughs> he is a wonderful husband. <laughs> Keeping Jesus' commandments is both a sign of our love for him and a test of our love for him. Loving Jesus is not a feeling, it's an ongoing relationship of following and obeying him. As we walk with Jesus and keep his commandments, we're filled with joy and it's the most fulfilling life we can ever have. You know when Jesus brings conviction, when the Holy Spirit brings conviction to us? So I'm going back to my thoughts here because most of us can control our actions um, and live a life that is, you know, pleasing to God in our actions. But let's get right inside. So when I'm having a thought that is not pleasing to God, um, I just know that the minute I take it to him, give it to him um, and say, sorry, Lord, it's gone. You know, gone and I'm clean and I can move on. Some years ago, and then, sorry, that, and that fills me with peace then. And joy. I'm not hanging on to this thing where I'm, I'm sort of tr quietly trying to walk in a way that's not pleasing to God. Um, and so I've got that kind of guilt thing going on in the background. Don't have to do that. You know, he's there. He's, his forgiveness is instant. Some years ago, I was teaching a class of 20 young children um, in China. They were a delight. were a really, really lovely class. Um, but there was one little girl that stood out from all the others. They were a year two and three class. And... Um, she, they all, were all very, very well-mannered. But when, I, when they sat in front of me and I was teaching them a new concept or whatever as a group, she would have her eyes focused on me the whole time. Her eyes did not leave my face. And then when I uh, asked them to go and do the work that I had instructed them to do, she sat there and worked her very, very hardest to do everything I had told her to do. Her work was by no means perfect. It was, you know, she had mistakes and things in her work, but each time she tried to get it better and better to, and she would bring it to me 
really wanting to please me. Um, and so while I loved all of them, and I really did, I had great love for her because she was showing me her love for me. So that's how I, I use that analogy when I'm thinking about my relationship with Jesus. I want to be pleasing to him, to show my love for him as she wanted to please me. Unless I'm trying to do the things he has asked me to do, um, then I'm not showing genuine love for him. It's not about living under the law. Please don't hear that because Jesus has set us free from the law. But it's about wanting to be obedient to him um, through our love for him because we love him. Like Andrew, because he loves me, he actually does things that he knows mean a lot to me and want to please me. And yeah, it's a good analogy. So it's about living a life that is honouring and pleasing to my Lord. A life that no matter where I am or what I'm doing, I'm a true representative of Jesus. And my thoughts, words and deeds are pleasing to him. Jesus promises in John 14 verse 23 that if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. When we love and obey Jesus, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit make their home with each one of their children. John Piper says, Therefore, love him. Keep his sweet commandments to receive him and abide in him. Overflow with his fullness for others in love. And he will come to you, and the Holy Spirit will come, and the Father will come, and they will protect you and provide for you and lead you. You won't be an orphan. And they will comfort you and love you in a very personal way the world does not know. And they will manifest Jesus to you and make you their home. So in applying this practically, in order to keep the word and commandments of Jesus, we need to make sure we are reading his word daily. We look at what we read and check, am I applying those principles to my life? If not, we make adjustments we meditate on the word. So if we read something, we, we bring it deliberately back to our thoughts. We think about it. And we're deliberate in bringing Jesus to our thoughts and having that open line of communication with him through the day and letting him know our thoughts and feelings and asking for his guidance and direction as we go through each day. Like we all know he knows our thoughts and feelings. We know that. But we can be very deliberate in telling him about our thoughts and feelings as well, rather than just assuming. Yes, he does know, but it's that relational thing of constantly talking to him through the day. And we can remind ourselves to do that and make a practice of it. And then our life, our daily life, just becomes a prayer throughout the day. I know in my work situation, I am always having conversations with God through the day. While I'm talking to um, yeah, people at work, I'm, I'm saying, Lord, give me your words, give me your words, because I know that mine aren't enough. I mean, I can say nice words, but it's the God word that brings um, what people need. So we talk here while we're talking here. So we've talked about loving Jesus, and now we need to know what Jesus has to say about how we love each other. Let's hear Jesus' words again. John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
The context of this passage is that Jesus is sharing the Last Supper with his disciples. Judas had just left the room to betray Jesus and the crucifixion was very close. There was an urgency for Jesus to communicate the most important words to his disciples before he left them. So if any of you um, have had loved ones that have died or friends, you remember those last conversations you had with them. And um, so in this way, Jesus really wanted the last words, the, <laughs> to, the important things to be said at the last, the really important things. It's all important. God has always commanded us to love each other, but this new commandment of Jesus was to love each other as he has loved us. There's the difference. Jesus demonstrated loving people throughout his whole life, and then the ultimate act of love for all of us was in him giving up his life on the cross. This is how he is asking us to love each other, like that. To prefer one another in love, to lay down our life for our friends, to lay down our own selfish ambitions and desires and lift others up, to care about the needs of others more than our own, even when we are in need ourselves. This kind of love needs to start in our own homes, in this house, our church, and spread outwards from there. Jesus is asking us to serve others, seek their good, build them up in God's word, meet their needs, show them love through words and actions. And then as we do this, Jesus said, the world will know that we are his disciples. So the world will know through seeing our love for each other and for them. It's pretty amazing. Currently, there is so much disunity in the world around us. There is division of culture, race, belief systems, worldviews, and the list continues. The emphasis is on I, me, and my rights. And we as God's children will stand out as shining lights if we obediently follow Jesus' commandment to love each other as Jesus has loved us in our homes, our workplaces, and wherever we go. This unity is not uniformity. For example, um, we have different Christian denominations and in our Christian churches we do things differently and we slot into those churches of our preference in the way we worship. But we have the same core beliefs. So the things that um, we have the same unity of spirit, heart, purpose and destiny. And so we don't put them down because they're not our church. We don't think less of them because they don't do things the way we do. We love them and we are in unity in that spirit, heart, purpose and destiny. The church belongs to Jesus. This is his church. He is the head over all things and it matters to him how we conduct ourselves in his church. In saying this, this church is wonderful in the way they treat each other. Really, really wonderful. Um, it's just such a joy to be part of this family. There is incredible unity in this house and the unity is growing stronger and stronger. Um, it's just mind-blowing <laughs> what God is doing. And so I know that we're set, we are set to grow because we are doing these things that God is asking us to do. So watch and see what the Lord will do. It's amazing. 
Ephesians 1, 22 to 23 says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. And 1 Corinthians 12, 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Every single one of us has a place and a purpose here in this family. We need each other. We need every single person functioning well in the giftings that God has given to them to make our church function well as Jesus wants it to. Every single one of you has giftings on your life. And um, when you walk in them, when you seek God about what they are, if you're not sure, um, seek him and he will show you. But walk in them because we all need them. We need each other and the giftings that um, God has put on our lives to make up part of the body. You know, even if your little toe is hurt, you hobble around. If it's really hurt, if you've stubbed your toe, you hobble around in pain because... And it's only a little toe, but it's so important to the rest of your body. The same here. If, if even one person is not walking in their giftings and, um, you know, as part of the body, then we all miss out in some way. So let me encourage you. If you're not sure, seek God because he's got, he's got things that only you can bring. Only you. Reading, um, Jesus is passionate about the unity of his church. We work together with him as we advance his kingdom work and his plan of redemption for all people. When people are unified in plan and purpose of one mind and one heart in Jesus, there's nothing we cannot do. Do you remember the Tower of Babel? This account is in the book of Genesis in chapter 11. So it was after the flood and the whole world had one language. The people had settled in Babylonia and they made bricks and decided together to build a great city with a tower that reached into the sky. So reading from Genesis 11, 5 to 6. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. That's just because of their unity. That wasn't because they were walking with God. That was simply because they were united. And so there's a spiritual principle in unity, even much more so when we're walking with God. God knew that while they were united, nothing would be impossible for them. The devil is always trying to sow discord and create disunity in our churches. He knows love, unity and obedience in serving Jesus is powerful and it's unstoppable. So how do we attain this unity? Well, we're well on the way. It's through love. Love overcomes barriers and forgives sins. If we as individuals and together as the family of God demonstrate the love of God to each other, the church will grow faster, the gospel will spread like wildfire, and the result will be unity beyond what we can imagine. Working together in unity is like having a family business. So everyone's got their own part to play, but it's all for the common goal. And working together builds relationships in and of itself. And we've seen that with our working bees, with our hub crew, with all the different, with Kids Church, all the different areas of church as our teams work together. 
Um, it builds unity and just in working alongside of each other. We enter into the love that flows between the Father, Son and the Spirit by embracing the mission of Jesus and working as he did. Jesus spent his life teaching, serving and loving people. He tore down barriers and hate, reached out to the oppressed and marginalised and asked his followers to do the same. The way the early church loved others gave witness to the truth of the gospel message and drew people to Jesus. The love they shared transformed their lives and the lives of others. Remember all the ones that were coming into the church in those early days. Amazing. As we band together as a people of God, we can allow the Holy Spirit to work through us in that same way, showing the world a life-giving, selfless love that allows Jesus to shine through us as we point people to him. I would like to invite all of you to join me in my quest to love others as Jesus has commanded me to. It's a choice, not a feeling. It's not easy. But it's... I'll give you an example of... Um, so my work often brings up situations that can be difficult. Um, and it can bring up situations where someone might appear to be quite unlovely in the way that they're acting. Unlovely. So how do I love them like Jesus wants me to love them? I ask him for his help because I might have some big feelings around it too. <laughs> like if I've been treated um, unfairly or in, uh, in a bad way, I might have feelings I have to deal with. So I'll say, Lord, um, help me to love this person. Give me your love for this person. Give me some common ground. Give me something that I can show that I actually care about them despite my own feelings. And every single time he comes through with something, as long as I'm submitted, there's sometimes I do you know, put it in the too hard basket and don't respond as God might want me to. But when I check myself um, and respond the way he wants me to, he always gives me something. And it's hard to stay angry with someone who is just loving you, you know, no matter how unlovely they're being in their actions. So as you continue to treat them kindly and love them, even though they don't deserve it, it's amazing what God does. So it's easy to love people who love us and are kind to us, but the challenge is for us all to love everyone. That's what God's asking, everyone, even those who are difficult or unkind. And at this point, you could be thinking, but what do I do when I don't like people? Or what do I do when people don't like me? Because that happens all the time. We've all met some people who are unpleasant, unlovely and downright difficult to deal with. But how is Jesus asking us to love them? It's important to recognise our feelings, but we can't stay in a place of hurt or dislike or intolerance. We need to walk in obedience to how God wants us to minister to and love them. It doesn't mean we have to like and accept all the things they do, but loving people means forgiving them and doing things God's way with his agape love as opposed to soul love. So agape love, wrote says agape is one of several Greek words for love. When the word agape is used in the Bible, it refers to a pure, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires another's highest good. Agape love is unconcerned with the self and concerned with the greatest good of another. Agape isn't born out of emotions, feelings, familiarity or attraction, but from the will and as a choice. 
It's like I will love that person because it honours God. Agape requires faithfulness, commitment and sacrifice without expecting anything in return. God gives us this agape love so we can love without prejudice. And Paul defines this love in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So there are some ways we can go about loving like this to help us. We can encourage others. Again, we've got a church full of real encouraging people here, so it's great. Be deliberate about finding ways to discourage, to encourage those that we find um, yeah, difficult to relate to. Pray for people who find it difficult to get on with. Pray for God to bless them. Not for God to change them, but for God to bless them in every area of their lives. People who need the most love often deserve it the least. Put others before yourself. Act with humility. You can do this by listening to them. Don't blame them for their mistakes. Accept their help. Show interest in them. And don't feel like we are more important than them. Be kind to everyone, regardless of their background. Jesus welcomed everyone and was often found in the company of the outcasts of society. So he showered them with love and he wants us to do the same. We serve others. We love others by doing things for them, by serving them and not expecting anything in return. And we live in peace with others, not provoking or saying mean things. And if an offence arises, then we make peace by apologising to them or forgive and forgiving them. Forgiving others is love, to let the offences go and not hold on to them. Jesus forgave others no matter what they did and just before he died, he made a point of forgiving those who were actually killing him, who were crucifying him. He asked God for, to for, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. We speak well of others. Don't badmouth them, complain about them, slander them or insult them. Jesus never complained about those who treated him unjustly. And we support others. We stand with them when they're having a tough time. Be there for them. Bear each other's burdens. We show empathy and journey with them. And now to finish, let's hear the words of Jesus again. John 15, 9 to 17. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, 
that you love one another. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word and for sending your precious son Jesus to live his life as the perfect example of how to live in union with you. Help us today, Lord, to love our family here in your church. Help us to serve each other and to increasingly think of ourselves less often and others more often. Forgive us, Lord, for any times we have not loved each other as you've asked us to. Help us to look to others' interests above our own and prefer one another in love. We pray, Lord, that in our church, in our homes, at work and in our community, you will help us to love others as Jesus loves us so that your love will shine out of us for the world to see, that the world may know we are your disciples and that through us loving them, they would be drawn to you. And for anyone here who hasn't known Jesus as their Lord and Saviour but would like to, we pray together with them. Lord Jesus, I have not been living my life for you. I know I am a sinner and that I can't save myself. Today, I thankfully receive your gift of salvation. I ask you to come into my heart and I choose to trust you as my Lord and Saviour. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sins and for giving me the gift of eternal life. I look forward to living the rest of my life in relationship with you. Pray this in the most precious and holy name of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Thank you for joining with us today. If you would like to find out more, you can get in touch with us on our website at bridgecitychurch.com.au. See you next time.